Well, thank you guys for being here. Um, this is really an honor just to, to be with you. It's such an incredible, um, incredibly important topic, and so you might have thought we were coming here for PTSD, but we were meeting in Wooga Land because we're going to talk about ch- children's ministry, so I hope you're ready for that. <laughs> no. But uh, we're, you know, this is, uh, this is something that um, I'm just figuring out, so just want to set the stage here that we are, uh, you know, this is something that's so mysterious, and, and you don't, we don't know often why some people deal with PTSD and why others don't. And um, we'll get to hear from Paul a little bit today, some historian, and, uh, you know, for a guy who seems like all the factors were there to experience it, and he just hasn't. And so I want to, I mean, that's just been really hopeful for me, um, seeing lots of, lots of examples of that. And at the same time, we know that um, for reasons we don't understand, other people do deal with it. And sometimes it's a lifelong journey. But what we're going to talk, talk uh, today about is, is it really it can be a journey of hope, and it can be hope-filled. And, uh, and there are specific ways that the body of Christ can come together to really uh, create an atmosphere of hope, to create um, you know, anchor points of, of love and encouragement and hope in, in these guys and girls' lives who are experiencing this. So, um, Tony, thanks for joining us, man. Um, so really, the focus should always be for us, as believers in the body of Christ, what Christ is doing in us and through us. Um, he is our hope, and He's the true hope. So, more than anything else today, um, I think we, we want to walk away with the realization that, uh, and just the affirmation, we already know this, that Christ is the great equalizer. So, you know, you can, you can look at people who have had a, more experience, or more tools in their toolbox, or more training, or, or whatever it may be, but then if you compare, compare all that to somebody who's rooted and grounded in Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit, I mean, God, God is the one who heals. God is the one who really um, can, can make these miracles, just like we, we sang about this morning, um, that the mystery of Christ in us uh, is powerful. And so never underestimate what we can do as believers in standing alongside somebody in a friendship, in a simple friendship. Um, and I've seen it time and time again where um, people who simply develop a friendship with somebody going through a rough time, whether it's PTSD or some other kind of traumatic disorder, that friendship in Christ, sometimes what we don't even know, just like the kingdom of God is like leaven within us and it works its way through the whole batch, and and you might not even know it, but your presence in somebody's life uh, who's experiencing PTSD can be that, that one anchor that really is the anchor of hope. So... Because of that and that focus today, let's just open up in some prayer and invite the Holy Spirit to minister to us together as a team. God, we just thank you for your incredible love, God, that you sent your Son to be with us, to walk with us, and to not take an easy journey, but to walk the most painful journey uh, anyone has ever heard of, to take on the sin of the world, God, to be in our midst, God, to, to become sin himself, and, and allow it to die by laying down his own life in his own authority so that we could live, so that we could have hope, so that we could have a, a life of abundance. And God, you're so good. We just honor you right now. We say, Lord, you are the Father of heavenly lights, and every good and perfect gift comes from you. 
So God, we, uh, we receive with open hands your Holy Spirit that you say you pour out on us by simply asking. And God, we honor you. We ask, God, that you would give us specific insight today. Move our hearts, Lord. Stir our hearts to see how our roles, each one of our unique roles, can be lived out and walked out as a servant. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Alright, well, uh, there's just a few things we'll cover today. Um, I'll kind of talk about, first of all, why. Why are we talking about PTSD today at all? give a little bit of the, the history of the landscape in the military since um, 911. We'll talk about um, uh, a clear definition of what PTSD is, and then our church, the church's response. What's our role as a response to, to PTSD? And like I mentioned earlier, this is... Uh, a lot of this will be military today, but um, this is an interesting point just to share up front. There's different research on this, but different studies, anywhere from at least 10, if not up to 50% of people experiencing PTSD through, from military experience right now, things that they've experienced overseas, had PTSD before. So we've got a tremendous number of kids that have gone through foster care system, They've experienced tra- very traumatic things, and, and the vast majority of those children enter the military when they hit 17 and a half. Um, we've got all kinds of, across the board, you know, things you can imagine, um, where people live in, uh, in the midst of conflict situations, in family or outside of family. And so, um, in some strange way, the one thing that they might relate to or be able to relate to in their personal life journey is conflict. And so the military is, is a, it's a viable option for them. It's what they understand. So, we, uh, so that's just good for us to know and hear that when we're talking about PTSD, we're not just talking about something that happens in war. We're talking about, I mean, David just shared his own personal family's experience here on campus. And so we know that, um, you know, one of my roommates, Chris, was there with your family, and, and I've gotten to, you know, just have a lot of talks with him over the past two years about his own personal journey through that with you guys. And, and, um, and so we know that PTSD can come from a lot of sources. Um, but the purpose today is to know that it's a journey of hope. It can be. So what reminded me, what the Lord really put on my heart was a Psalm 84 to describe this. So it's kind of frame this, what, what is PTSD about? And Psalm 84, 5, through 7 says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength, till each appears before God in Zion. So this is a radical psalm. This is a radical passage. The valley of Baca, if you remember, in the Old Testament was the place where Abraham allowed Sarah, you know, he prayed to God, and, and God told him, yeah, go ahead and let her do what she needs to do. <laughs> so Sarah actually sends out Hagar with Ishmael into, the des- into this place, the Valley of Baca. And it's a place known throughout um, you know, Israel's history as this place of weeping and mourning. Baca means weeping. And so um, the idea that God actually allowed him to send her out there is pretty startling. But then when you know that God, at that place, she cried out, her and Ishmael 
cried, literally cried their hearts out to the Lord, and the Lord responded. The Lord came. The Lord gave them water. He refreshed their souls. He encouraged them and gave them hope. And um, similar, similarly with me, I feel like something that I just have uh, this passion for and responsibility since I've been a little kid is to give people hope in those situations because I, some people uh, experience things where they, no one surrounds them in hope. No one's given them that place of hope, and they can despair. I mean, we can easily get beat down by this world. And I remember in fourth grade, or when I was four years old, I had a nightmare. And uh, it was, uh, uh, really it was demonic. I, I mean, I was just filled with fear so much at night, and it was real. And I couldn't see physically. I wasn't even asleep yet. I was just lying in bed, and I couldn't see. It became static, like a TV cable that gets unplugged. And the static sound got louder and louder. Um, I could not physically move or yell or see anything. And, and I just remember thinking, my world was closing in. I was going to die in that moment. And, um, and I, I liken this experience to being sent into the Valley of Baca because I had seen my parents pray, you know, two, three, four years old. I had heard them pray. I had prayed with them. I didn't really totally get it, but I knew there was this thing called God that was good. And so in that moment... Um, I remember in my little four-and-a-half-year-old mind praying inside my head, God, help me. Instantly, I could see. The fear stopped. I could move. Um, now, it could have come back over me easily again if my parents would have said, oh, that's just, you're, just having, you're just imagining things. You know, there's a lot of ways they could have responded which would have been hurtful, but instead, they held me all night long. They taught me to pray had memorized prayers with them over the next week. They taught me the reality of the demonic and the good. I just feel like from that moment on, they gave me hope. They gave me hope, and, and I, I became very aware as a little kid of the reality of the demonic that goes on in here. So now, now we come forward today, and people who are experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder, who've gone through traumatic experiences and haven't had those anchors of hope around them, to continually support and encourage them, we can lose hope easily. So, um, but God reminds us in Psalm 84 that He is there. He's there specifically to answer people's call, answer their cry. And He used my parents to do that. So when we talk about PTSD today, all of us in here can be the answer. And I think that God wants us to be an answer to people. Uh, and it's going to be through friendships. So, let's talk first why today. Well, in Colorado Springs, this is the, one of the biggest points of pain. I mean, it could arguably be the biggest point of pain in our city. We've got, um, we've got right now, uh, 8,000 is an estimate of guys and girls, mainly guys, soldiers that are going through post-traumatic stress disorder who have been deployed since 911. So it's a tremendous number of people. Um, as this increases, and it's going to, because we're still sending out people constantly for deployment, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of other issues grow. We're having three to four times the national average of things like drug and alcohol-related accidents, suicides, domestic violence. Um, that's not all on the military at all. I mean, that's, it's, it's an epidemic in a lot of places, but that a significant number of those cases are because we do have a large military population here. So that's why we're talking about it today. That's why we can continue this conversation 
with the other members. We're, we're in close relationship with the New Life. And any way we can, our places of work, to be those beacons of hope, to be a friend and an anchor for people because we've got the living God in us and God can give us hope. He can make that hope rise up in the Valley of Baca for all these people. So, um, now, the military since 911. I thought the best way to kind of give a, a, a picture would be a very personal one, and Paul has offered to share a little bit of his story for a couple minutes um, about his own journey, and, and he's been heavily involved in the military since that time. So, Paul, this is, this is a, one of the most hopeful things I've ever heard, so please spend a few minutes just sharing with us. Oh. Yeah, yeah, come on up. Like I said, uh, my name is Paul. Eckle, and uh, I served nine and a half years in the U.S. Army, and now I've served three years as a security contractor, and I work for other government agency. Um, and so, uh, but in the uh, story I shared um, at the men's prayer meeting this past Thursday, and uh, back in 2004, I got married and I was going through um, the Special Forces Qualification course. And I, um, my wife said, week one, hey, I made a mistake and I don't want to be married. And um, I took the rejection of that and, uh, and the past of my life and everything and it pretty much targeted on her and pretty much took it out on her for the next two years and really wounded her spirit. And um, and so coming full circle and going through uh, tours in Iraq and numerous things, um, I had an awakening in my heart of, um, I came back in 2007 and my house was empty and my wife was gone and um, my little boy was gone and everything was gone. And my door was open and it was a 40-hour trip to get home and, uh, from Iraq. and. I fell to my knees and I heard the Lord speak to me. I didn't share this. Um, he said, you will love her unconditionally. No questions asked. And here I am, back from this, uh, you know, this crazy journey. And, and I'm on my knees. And I'm actually, the Lord spoke to me and threw me to the ground, saying, you will love her unconditionally. And my mind went crazy. So I moved her to her family's home in uh, Maryland and lived in a little room and here I am trying out for contracts and uh, trying to be successful and be at the top of my game there because um, it's a very long process to get a contract. And uh, won her back and things, she never really got over that. And so um, about every two weeks I'd hear I'm leaving you, I'm taking boys and, and then I'm still traveling to Iraq and experiencing that, coming back and forth and seeing a lot of things. And uh, so this last trip I came home and um, and she, she was determined. She had this look in her eyes, and she said, I'm, I'm done. I'm gone. And she was very, very focused. And I looked at her, and I, I said, I'm not here to convince you. I'm, I'm just here to love you. I'll love you unconditionally. And I came from a very long flight, direct flight from Iraq uh, last Wednesday. Didn't sleep for about 40 hours. I was crying. First thing I hear, touch ground, my son's telling me, Daddy, I don't want to leave you. 
Um, I, want, I want our family to stay together. I'm hearing this within five minutes of being on the ground. And uh, I can't sleep, so I go to the men's Thursday morning prayer meeting. All I'm doing is crying my heart out. Just crying. I mean crying. And I'm used to being around a bunch of, you know, ground branch guys, SF, SEAL guys, you name it. They come from every community. And that's not a crying community at all. And uh, I am bawling my eyes out Thursday morning prayer. And uh, Pastor Carbon comes over to me and talks to me and prays for me. I, I mean, my eyes are, it hurts to just open my eyes from crying so much. And uh, the Lord touched me and did something. I went back and it got worse. And um, my wife totally, I think she almost blacked out and basically beat the crap out of me. And I, I just let her do it, get it out of her system. And uh, the next morning, she's like, I'm, I'm leaving. And, uh, and so I'm like, wow, I can't believe this is really happening. She's really going to do this. And uh, she had to have money stashed away and to uh, do her little plan. And uh, we have an eight-month baby boy now, my four-and-a-half-year-old boy. And, uh, and she looks at, she's, she's going to go to the mall. And so I'm like, okay, go to the mall. And uh, she, she looks at my son and says, you want to go? And he's like, no, I'm going to stay with Daddy. And uh, she's going upstairs and she said, uh, well, um, I was talking to you. I was like, well, I'll, yeah, I'll go to the mall. She was, she's like, why do you want to go? I said, any opportunity to be with you is a good opportunity. I said, uh, I'll take it. And uh, she, um, she said, okay, so we went in the mall. And I'm wearing this shirt on purpose. Uh, she showed up and... She came down the stairs in the same color shirt, same jeans, everything. She's never done that before. She's like Miss uh, USA kind of model lady. And um, went to the mall and was talking to her on the way, and something changed. It clicked in her heart, and uh, she's deaf. She lost her hearing in May 08. So that's been an extreme, traumatic experience for our family and her. And then with me being gone in Iraq, I mean, there's a lot of systems in effect. So communications, tremendous barrier as she's refused to learn sign or anything. And um, so I'm talking to her and she's listening on the way between Castle Rock and Denver and I say something to her. And um, she said it, something clicked inside of her and it changed and it was like, uh, the only thing I can liken it to is I let a guy who was completely drunk to Jesus once and 45 minutes later he was completely sober. The countenance in his eyes, I mean, that everything changed. I mean, he was totally coherent and 100% locked on in Jesus. And that's what I saw in my wife. And I was like, and we went, we're at the mall and we go to this jewelry store and she said, let's go look for, let's go in there and look. Walk in and we're looking at wedding bands for me. And she, uh, in July 07, when I came back from Iraq at uh, that time, she made us pawn our, our, our wedding bands because she was leaving, you know, for real that time and she did leave. And uh, so we're looking at rings, and she sees one, and I don't really, I'm not going to pick it out because I don't want to spend that kind of money. And she looks at it, and she goes, uh, let's look at that one. She picks it out, and it matches my watch, and there's three opals, one for my son, her, and my baby boy. And I look at her, and I'm like, are, are you serious? She goes, yeah, yeah, I'm serious. I'm, I'm in. And uh, got the ring, and she put it on my finger, and she got hers, and and my wife, after seven and a half years of, you know, tremendous anxiety and, and me being gone all the time, she's totally committed to our relationship. And, uh, and she's coming out of the pain of losing her hearing 
and uh, accepting certain things and, and working and and uh, and it's just been amazing and I can't thank God enough mm-hmm. and uh, having seen a tremendous pain and and feeling tremendous hopelessness and complete brokenness I can tell you uh, standing here today that God can do absolutely anything he could change any heart he could set any person free he can open doors that cannot be opened and he can shut doors forever that will never be opened again. And uh, I just want to praise his name and uh, share with you that there is tremendous hope for anyone going through amazing pain and don't, they don't know how to escape it. Some living proof of having been in the valley and feeling my mind going completely 100% insane with evil thoughts and desperate thoughts and that God can just in an instant restore what the locusts have eaten and and set your feet on that spacious place. And I'm standing here on that spacious place. And I just praise his name. And thank you for the opportunity to share with you. Mm. Thank you, Paul. Amazing story of hope. So I think uh, we can all be encouraged by that. And, and I think that right now, um, the encouraging thing for me is, just it doesn't end there. It's, it makes me think about okay, these are there's people around in our lives, probably in each one of our lives, we're here today, who have experienced traumatic things and need need some hope. So let me just paint a little picture of the landscape, also of the military, since you know during this time, during that time of Paul's journey with his wife, um, we've had over three billion in government spending on new counseling for our military families since 911. Um, so tremendous resources have gone out there. Um, yet every, almost, almost without a doubt, every chaplain I talk to, um, every military one I've talked to, but even even the other branches of air, or in the army, but even in Air Force, Marines, Navy, they're saying that they're overwhelmed. The chaplains are overwhelmed. They don't have enough support. They don't have enough funding, and so. Uh, you know, working down at Fort Carson with them recently in the last few months, you can tell. I mean, it's hard for them just to keep up with normal duties such as getting information, doing weddings, doing funerals. Um, and yet, these are some of the most significant problems people are dealing with in our world today, and, and, and they feel like they don't have the resources. So there is incredible hope there, because as the church, we can, we can step in and, and come alongside these guys and help them out. Um, 38% of Army, 31% of Marines, and 49% of National Guard are experiencing mental health issues right now. So, incredibly significant issue. Uh, over, out of these groups of people, over half are married, uh, and 43% have children. Uh, so that means right now, one and a half primary and secondary people are affected. So, um, and, and I'll tell you too, it's just as significant the secondary effects of PTSD. So this is what we were talking about before. There's some great resources that we'll get in our bookstore, and, and you can always talk to us for resources to help through these, these things. But um, like Hope for the Home Front is for military wives um, dealing specifically with secondary PTSD when their husbands come home, and they've experienced traumatic, post-traumatic stress disorder. And, and these are great resources that, that are hopeful to help them, okay, understand the situation, what exactly is happening, because their worlds get turned upside down. So, 
or in Colorado Springs, we'll make it a little more specific to what we're dealing with here. Uh, talking to the chief of police, we're the 85th percentile of cities in the U.S. for criminal homicides. So um, it's interesting. You don't hear a lot, a lot of that in the news, in the newspaper, but it's, it's a reality in our city. And um, a lot of this, what his, just personally, this, he doesn't have research on this, but he's noticing that a lot of these are related to people with PTSD. So we've got, like I mentioned earlier, about 8,000 is the estimate here with pretty serious or severe PTSD in Colorado Springs alone. And 70% of our, our military families live off base. So we're all spread out within the community. Um, so the report and the research is that more than their psychiatrists, more than their psychologists, more than other counseling they get, more than Sunday morning worship, more than anything else, is a solid relationship. And in, in a lot of cases, people are not, they don't have, um, because of the traumatic experience, they might not be in a place to express the relational capacity or the skill, the relational skill to develop good relationships. It's just tough at those times. And so um, you talk about it's tough to do it with people you can feel, see, and touch. Well, what about God, who seems, is just mysterious and, and can seem so distant? And so what, what our role is really as people who are the bearers of the image of Christ and who the Holy Spirit lives within us, we really can introduce God by being a friend to anyone going through PTSD. We can introduce them to God. Uh, in, in a way that, that, that they might not otherwise be able to, to meet him. And I think God's put in that call. That's, he's put that call in all. We're the priesthood of believers. So, um, okay. So soldiers repeatedly also identify that they don't know that they have it. Who do? So when we talk about these people that are members in our congregation, members of our family, members in the community, oftentimes they won't know it. Um, and that's a process, too, where sometimes we might feel like, wow, if we're starting to see these symptoms and signs, maybe we can, um, you know, identify that they have it. And, and, and it's tough for us to do that. And I would say, before, before we even go there, let's, see, let's, let's just ask what the Lord is doing with us in this relationship, in this friendship. I mean, Paul's example there um, of, of just weeping and being in this place of utter brokenness and Garvin coming alongside of him. I mean, what, what was one of the first things he asked you? Uh, he Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. See, doesn't even matter. He just was with you. He came and he sat and he was with you. And I mean, he doesn't even remember what he asked. Go ahead, David. I may be backtracking a bit. Yeah, yeah. Aspect of this. Um, we don't have post traumatic stress. We have a lot of post traumatic experiences, but yeah. there's an actual clinical definition for this that lasts longer than six months. But one of the things that's really difficult to deal with is the lack of control over your thoughts, your emotions, and sometimes even your own body. And that was men, we pride ourselves as always being in control. And I guess you can even extend that out. You get kind of wacky spiritually because you know God wants you to lay down your life at the same time, but you get afraid of opening up that way for fear those kind of things will come back. Whether it's a flashback, whether it's just, uh, that could even happen this morning, I'm walking down the hallway, I wasn't the only one. I talked to some other people. I thought that was kind of strange. But that happens a 
second nature now. You, you get these feelings coming back, you know. And, and it can make you think you're losing it. You know, you talked about it. I mean, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. That first night in the hospital, I thought I was going to lose my mind. Literally. And I had the opportunity to lose my mind. But that, but that fear could keep coming back. And, and, and what I'm, I'm experiencing, either from a sensory level or an, an emotional level or even uh, a psychological level, is this real or not? Because reality starts to become very fuzzy sometimes because if you're flashing back on a traumatic experience, which I never really had a full-blown flashback or anything like it, you still get sometimes get the same sensations. I'm in the parking lot, there's snow on the ground, it's cold, all of a sudden you know, tense up a little bit. That's no big deal, you know, quite honestly, but still it makes you feel like, where's the control in my life? Am I really okay? So someone like Garvin coming along, but we have all the time, people still come around us, just knowing that you're okay, even if you're not feeling okay, that, that it's normal even when it's not normal, that it's not unusual, mm. is really a huge help. Because, and that's why it's so hard to come to the place of admitting you've got a problem, because I'm in control of this, and I can control this, but if you've really got PTSD really bad, or, or clinically, you can't control it. And that is... Anytime you lose control, particularly your mind and stuff, that's really, you get into a really strange place. And it's really hard to deal with without that comfort, without that control, without the assurance that God is there with you. That's what got us through. God was with us. Because uh, that, that is the ultimate reality. <laughs> and him coming alongside and saying, you're all right, even when you know you're not all right, you're all right spiritually. At least something is okay someplace. My mind may be nuts, my emotions may be nuts, I may be acting out, but really everything with God is okay. That's a foundation I can build off of. Mm. That's, That's right good. on the money. Right now, I have been diagnosed with PTSD and TBI, which is traumatic brain injury. I took an IED um, to our vehicle. But, uh, you know, Bill, he was my men's group. And a lot of times, gentlemen, it's, it's a matter of pride. We've got a lot of soldiers out there that won't admit they find themselves showing a sign of weakness if they admit to their leaders that, hey, you know what, this is three or four tours. This stuff actually hurts. Yeah. Um, the drugs and alcohol that you were stating, guys are drowning themselves in alcohol and drugs just to get over the pain of what they're actually going through. You know, for me to be a leader and seeing that, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I got, I retired in 2007. I still can't stay in contact with a lot of my soldiers. Mm-hmm. And I call them up or I'll email them and say, hey, what are you doing about it? You know, it's, if they see the higher leadership seeking help, they're more tan, uh, prone to go ahead and, and seek help, saying that, you know, it's okay to be transparent and to be uh, vulnerable. Because, I mean, it, guys, it's not a sickness, it's a disorder. And I was one of them that said, no way, you cannot tell me that I have PTSD or anything like that. But if you ask my wife, she'll tell you otherwise. 
I feel crazy. I feel like I'm losing my mind. I feel all these things that I don't understand, yet he's still hanging out with me. I must be okay. I mean, that's tremendous hope in those situations. So, um, you know, a lot of spouses talk about the wall that goes up. And um, it kind of we have these dissociative states, um, somebody going through the, the post-traumatic stress disorder journey, and, and they'll, they'll seem to be a different person or become a different person at times. And so um, that's another thing that, spou- you know, spouses, just like you said, your wife will say, no, there's another story. He's going through a journey here that, that I don't understand. And, and so um, what they've got to learn to do then is when that wall goes up or whatever they call that, that period of time, how, figure out how do I respond in that situation. And, and so I think that's another key, key help is that we, not only coming around the individual, but coming around their family. Um, because a lot of marriages are, are in the midst of, of really being broken because of this. Um, so, so what is our role? Um, I've asked a lot of people in the last few months who've experienced this, what are the, their most important things to them um, in, in going through their own PTS journey of hope and what's helped them, what is the most helpful. And, and uh, so these are, these are these things that they've said. Um, I've got it from um, the first person who shared these things uh, was Marcelle Carter-Waddell. She's a member here. And she's actually hosting uh, a women's retreat for um, spouses who've experienced secondary post-traumatic stress disorder or um, secondary um, stress from t- TBI injuries to their spouse. So um, we've got, we can sponsor um, spouses to go to this as well. And so if anyone knows a family who's going through this situation right now, take one of these postcards before you go. And then and it's, a, it's $138 for registration for a, a weekend long retreat. Well, they'll help these spouses understand, okay, whether the wall's up or not, how do you walk through this journey with your husband? So you can take one of these. And uh, so these are just a few of the things that they mentioned that were on the top. So incarnational. They said you've got to be present. People just need, sometimes they won't be able to communicate anything. They won't be able to express um, at all what they're feeling, but just your presence with them is very important. Um, so through awkward times, through whatever, um, calling them, showing up, being there, just to be present with somebody. Um, and the way I think about this is, you know, we, we've got these kingdom parables about the yeast uh, being worked into the dough, and into in this leaven, when it works its way through the dough, it, it works its way through the whole dough. And you can't, you can't even distinguish at that time what's yeast and what's not. The kingdom of God is just there. And so um, when we come, I mean, God says the kingdom of God is within us. We don't understand always what, what the Lord is doing, but being present with somebody is powerful because you bring the presence of the Holy Spirit with you. And so um, don't minimize that whatsoever. You, you might even get weeks or months into a relationship or a friendship and you think, I'm not doing anything. I'm just there. They can't communicate. They can't express what's going on. But being there is a significant role for them. Just being there. Um, ask. It shows you care. So when you do see symptoms, um, don't be afraid to ask. You know, you can ask them, hey, have, do you know about PTSD? Do you know if you're dealing with this specifically? What, what is this all about? I've heard a lot of people in the military deal with this. You've been on deployments. So feel free to ask. It's not going to 
it's not going to offend them. It might seem like it, it, it would in some cases and, and could respond harshly, but by and large, uh, this is what they're saying. They're saying people need, people need to ask. I don't know how to initiate that conversation. I just don't know how to get it out there. So if somebody asked me, maybe I'd be able to talk about it. Um, listen. And, and the listening can be in many forms. But, um, you know, John tells us in 1 John how powerful a confession is. And so if we open up our hearts to ask the questions and just listen, then uh, that is powerful. That's healing in itself. If they can get to that point of expressing some things. And maybe it's even those thoughts that they've had, that they've gone through, that they say they can't control. Anyone going through PTSD. But if you're able to share that crazy thought that you've had with somebody, and they listen and say, that's okay, man, you're all right. And you can listen, that's healing. That's power. That's why confession is powerful. It's like saying, we can't do this on our own. We need God to help us. We surrender because we are helpless to do anything on our own. So God, uh, so, you know, you ask a, you ask a soldier, hey, how are you dealing with this traumatic experience that you had in, in Afghanistan? And if they're able to get to that point, and it might be that first day you meet them, but it might not be for years. So, you know, you can't put expectations on that, but we at least, it's our responsibility to ask. Um, team ministry is really important. So you guys, I mean, we all need to feel free. I feel, I don't feel, even just talking today, I don't feel... Like I have the experience, the tools, the know-how, anything to share this. I mean, we're, we're in this journey together, and you guys, probably all of, many of you have much more experience um, and understanding of, of how to really help people walk through PTSD. Um, but I can say this, that we do have the Holy Spirit and in all of us. And, and so I really felt in praying about this this morning, something that, um, I, a, a point I wanted to make is that um, there are so many different ways where God reaches out to people. And whether it's, you know, some people say, oh, theophostic prayer is it, or deep level healing is it, or this kind of counseling, or that kind of counseling. But the Holy Spirit reaches everyone um, and, and can sometimes and often in very mysterious ways. And it could be just from your presence with them, you know. So, so we don't need to limit our toolbox and limit what the Holy Spirit does. What we can do is continue to slow, build our toolbox and then realize that the Holy Spirit is always, always the one working and, and giving hope in these situations. Um, and so because of that, we do need team ministry. And, and this is one thing repeatedly that they, they've said. If, if we feel like we need help in an area for this friend, we, hey, we've hit a wall, we just don't know. What's the next step? Um, you know, ask them. Ask them if it'd be okay to go with them to a counselor. Ask them if it would be okay to talk to somebody else. Always, always be willing to ask those kind of questions. Um, and this is what I would say probably from the feedback I've got from the chaplains on bases and from people who have walked through this journey, this, is, this might be um, the largest thing for married couples or for families um, is that reestablishing a third family routine. Um, they've had such a, a strict regime in, in deployments and every minute is scheduled, often down to the seconds in, in a lot of these operations they're doing. So if you're living under that kind of pressure where you have to have everything just right for your team by the second and somebody's life depends on it and, and you do that for a year straight 
And then you come home, and your spouse is worried about what color you need to paint the deck. Um, you're, I mean, it's like, it rocks your world. You just want to scream about that kind of thing, because, like, why? Why is this even, why are we even talking about this? Why do I need to go pick out cereal? You know, I don't care about Fruit Loops. The kids said they wanted grape, you know, or I want grape nuts. I don't care, you know. So these, even those things that seem small to somebody not going through that PTSD journey, PTSD journey, it might be incredibly significant to somebody who is. And so not only did they have a family routine before they deployed, now they had to, the family, while the spouse is deployed, had to develop their own routine. The spouse overseas develops their own routine. They come back and they have to find a third way. Nothing is the same as it was before. And so, um, so we really can be, it, it can be significant just hanging out, spending time with them in their family situation, their family setting, inviting them over to your house, um, building that relationship. Because over time, they'll get into that comfort level, that encouragement will build just from seeing and responding to what's going on in a situation that's outside of the, you know, of the deployment. Um, and then greatest needs. Uh, these, were, these are also pretty clear across the board. God, number one. I mean, you won't hear this in the secular world, obviously, but, but we know how important, you know, David just shared a story. He, he was feeling out of control at times, and the, one, and the thing that got them through was they had God in their lives. Um, and so rest, um, presence, we talked about hospitality, prayer, friends, and guidance. So, um, you know, they do want guidance. We've got tools here, like this book. We've got some other great tools. So as you start to walk through this um, with anyone, you start to become friends with people going through this journey, um, you know, talk, let's share, let's keep in touch. And, and we have different tools for different times and different situations people are going through. But there's a lot of great information that, that you don't have to have a master's degree to figure out. I mean, just great books that you can walk through with people, great conversations to have. And so I think, you know, we really need to be just sharing information on that and learning from each other. Um, all right, well, let's, um, before we kind of wrap it up in a few minutes... Uh, I just wanted to open it up for, I know we've got a lot of experience in the room and, and stories to share. We could share some of those, but we could also just ask questions. So is there any questions that you have right now? And if we can't answer them between all of us today as a group, we can, I can definitely go research these things. I have a question because I've recently befriended a guy who is uh, just back from Iraq and dealing with this. And he's kind of, you know, He's pretty angry, I guess. He's really not, doesn't think he's getting the kind of uh, treated really the way he wants as far as the VA and things like that. And I'm really just wondering, uh, you know a little bit, uh, you and I talked a little bit about uh, that group of guys downtown, you know. And, uh, so I'm wondering if, besides myself, just trying to get him plugged in with more of those guys, and maybe uh, where would I find more information like, uh, could I find the kind of information you're talking about Absolutely. that would help him? Or? Yeah, yeah, you can. Um, what what uh, we can do is um, just meet afterwards and talk, and I can show you a lot of different books and resources, okay. but we can we can get them online. We'll actually start carrying them in our bookstore here, so okay. you can get a lot of that stuff here okay. um, in the next few weeks. Um, but specific, and he's not married, right? No, as far as I know, he's not yeah. married at all. 
Yeah, I mean, we can just get him. You know, I think the one of the greatest things is just just being a friend with him, walking him. There's a book we can walk through. It's the same one that you mentioned, um, Campus Crusade for Christ, um, as a ministry in this area, and they wrote, co-wrote this um, with uh, Marshall or and her husband. Yep. So it's a great it's a great workbook, and it's basically you can do it just as an individual, as friends, or a small group. So it'd be great. You know, that's, that's one of the things that God's been, you know, the Holy Spirit's been talking to me about, I need to do that. I need to get in that ministry, the team ministry of going back, because that's what my wife is doing. Uh, he's, he stated that book, When War Comes Home. I mean, this guy that you're talking about, I'd be happy to talk with him. Really? I'm retired military. I'd be happy to turn him on to the people that, uh, not VA, but, because they're overwhelmed. Yeah. VA is tremendously overwhelmed right now, you yep. know, and so, I mean, there are local, I've got counselors that are believers, yeah. so that is one of the key things when I was finding my therapist was I, I, I like a believer, because the battle that we're fighting is a lot of, is a spiritual battle, and what better way to have somebody take control of the Lord it's good. Yeah, so that's one of my key things. So he seems like a really great guy, you know, when, when, uh, when, he's, when he's not self-medicating with the alcohol, he's talking about, he talks about God all the time, he's praying all the time, but yep. then that alcohol hits and next next thing you know, it's just like he's back in the battle zone, you know. Yeah. Yep. And it's a journey. With guys like you and guys like yep. we talk about downtown and the more we can, I think, yeah, that's right. I just realized we're going over time, so um, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Let's go, let's do one more question. Yeah, I, I don't have a question. I just have an awkward. Those of you that know us, we're very approachable. Uh, probably be more than my wife, extrovert, introvert thing going on there. So if, if any way we can be of help, or at least I can be of help, so we're very approachable. I like behind the scenes. I don't know. The book was not really our idea. It was a God thing. Otherwise, we're mostly behind the scenes talking with folks, sharing a story. I don't know how helpful I can be. I mean, our deal surprises me. The last three minutes seemed like 15 to me, but it's not a year under fire. I don't know how that can relate, but it can. Mm-hmm. It can be helpful to just hear that. Yeah, the statement right at the beginning, it's a situation that you're in that you're not supposed to be in. Exactly. Yep. Well, I, I appreciate you guys signing up. If anyone didn't sign up, please do. And I can send out notes from today as well as there's a couple quick things. We'll give uh, post-military deployment uh, PTSD red flags. Some of these red flags are a little bit different than other kinds of traumatic disorder. So, um, and then a simple guide to building a team. So questions you can ask your counselor, psychologist, psychiatrist. When you have a, a friend you start to walk through this journey with, um, these are great things where you can tell, okay, is this, is this counselor's worldview going to be appropriate to help this person in the long run in terms of a, a biblical worldview? So I'd like to get those resources to you. All right. Well, Lord, we just thank you, God, for today. Thank you for every man here. 
God, I praise you for them. God, I thank you that they're um, willing to step out in faith and, and just see you work, God, in the midst of these situations. And God, I pray that you would open the heavens over their lives, their families, their friends. God, that you would show them favor. God, that you'd lead them step by step. And God, we ask specifically that you would lead people to us, God. That you would show us, you would open our eyes, open our ears and hearts to those who need a friend at this time. God, we thank you so much in Jesus' name.